Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Help me out, please. When I point to you, would you please say, what a difference. Ready? What a difference. One more time, everybody. What a difference. Used to be, if you were going to watch anything on television, see a sporting event, you would go over and all you would be able to do is see a black and white picture of it. Sometimes there are little rabbit ears on the top that you would adjust it, but no matter what season of the year it was, it always looked like it was snowing on TV at this point. You may remember some of these things. But today, you can turn on your OLED screen and see the picture, and all I can say is like, uh, what a difference. Before, if we were going to talk on the phone, you actually had to go over and uh, lift the, lift the uh, phone receiver off it and dial the phone there. You see, in these days, a mobile phone was, how long was your phone cord? I mean, if you had a long phone cord, you could actually go all the way across the kitchen and talk on the phone and do something else or sneak around and sit on the basement stairs going down. You could only have one person in the house talking on the phone at one time. In our dorm floor, I mean, there was one pay phone per the whole floor, and so there was a line that was there. But today, when everybody has their own mobile phone, well... What a difference, right? Before, when we wanted to find something out, we wanted to research something, you either had to find an expert in the field, a doctor, a professor, or you'd have to go and um, open up a set of books called an encyclopedia. Yet today, all we have to do is to Google something, and we literally have the World Wide Web at our fingertips. What can I say other than, what a difference? And from perspective, personally, I've been married about 44 years now, having raised five kids. My perspective on life now, compared to when I was single, well, uh, what a difference. I can tell you the greatest difference of all of these things is the difference that Jesus has made in my life. And Jesus, the Jesus difference is the greatest difference that has ever impacted the world. In fact, it has changed the world. Dr. Bart Erdman had uh, written a book. It's called How a Forbidden Religion Swept the World. He is one of the leading historians of the day, and he calls what took place in this movement that came out of Galilee the greatest mystery of history. How was it, he kind of begs this question in the book, that a first century movement led by 12 or so Galileans actually had the input to become the catalyst for cultural change over the entire modern world. He asked the question like, how did the entire Roman pantheon of gods get replaced by one Galilean rabbi whom one of their governors crucified? And he goes on to say this, and he doesn't write from a Christian perspective. Actually, um, Bart would describe himself as an agnostic atheist. But he said, this is the conclusion of the book, Christianity not only took over the empire, but it radically altered the lives of those living in it. It was a revolution. It affected government practices, legislation, art, literature, music, philosophy, and even on the more fundamental level, the very understanding of billions of people about what it means to be human. However one evaluates the merits of the case, and he's neutral on this, 
whether the Christianization of the West was a triumph to be treasured or a defeat to be lamented, he said no one can deny that it was the most monumental cultural transformation that the world has ever seen. What happened? That's what everybody's asking, what happened? And it actually was the Jesus difference that impacted our world. And the Jesus difference not only is the title for the series that we are stepping into today, but it's also a focus and what we want to be able to open ourselves up to. The Jesus difference is that which can make a marked difference in every single one of us. And that's one of the reasons I'm as enthused as I am about these next several weeks together as we open up the Jesus difference together. Because I've got an anticipation that there is not one of us that is not going to be touched by it if we even open ourselves in the slightest way up to this taking place. Now, before I lead us in a word of prayer as we kind of, you know, jump into this series, I do want to ask you uh, for this. Would you be willing to share, maybe just in a word, a sentence or two, what is the Jesus difference or a Jesus difference that has been made in your life? The way to share it, if you scan the QR code, you'll see you know, one of the tabs there that says My Jesus Difference. Or you could go to our church website and just there, My Jesus Difference. But if you do that today, just again, in a word or two sentence, if you wanna share a story, you're welcome to. What has been the Jesus Difference up to this point in your life that you've experienced? And in doing this, I think you're going to set yourself up for even more of it taking place. Would you join me in this prayer? Jesus, may we experience that which you want for us. The prayer that you are going to offer for us today as we look at in your word may be a reality in each and every one of our lives. We pray this in your mighty name. And everybody in agreement said, amen. If you happen to have a Bible with you, I'm gonna ask you to take, take it now and turn with me to the book of Ephesians. If you've got your phone and your Bible app on there, if you'd open it up to the book of Ephesians, I want you to get this kind of bookmarked in your mind. The entire series comes out of the book of Ephesians, and we're gonna find the Jesus difference there. If you've never read the book of Ephesians before, it's a really short book, there's six chapters to it. There is so much in there that's waiting for you. So we open up Ephesians and look at it. Chapter one is divided into two parts. The first half of the book, 1 through 14, is a blessing that's being poured out over every follower of Jesus. So if you happen to be a follower of Jesus, this blessing is something that is being spoken over you. It starts in verse 3, and it just flows on from there. Verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And it just gets gooder from, from that point on. Verse 15 on is a prayer. It's a very specific prayer. You could say it is Jesus' prayer for every follower of his. So this is something that Jesus would be praying for us. It's a prayer that the apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he prayed for people that he knew that were in the church of Ephesus. And he spent a lot of time there. He knew many of these people personally. It's a prayer that he prayed for those he didn't know because they'd actually come to Jesus since he'd been there last. But you're gonna, you're gonna sense his heart in it. And I want you to know that this is a prayer that I have for you. Everyone individually, that this is gonna be a reality in your life. We'll pick it up in verse 17. He says, 
I keep on asking God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. This starts out with some incredibly good news in verse number 17, which is this, that we can know God better. The word that's used there, it's a special word, it's epigenosko. Gnosko means to know something experientially, not just know about it, but to know it personally. When you put the word epi in front of it, it's an intensifier. So epigenosko says, I really want you to, to, to enter into this experience. Now the good news is this, no matter what you've experienced about God so far, what you've learned about him, what you personally experienced and is working in your life, there is more. Just let that sink in. God has more for you. If you happen to be a place in your life that you are stuck, you feel like you're going nowhere spiritually, well, you know what God's will is, that you get unstuck. And this prayer is taking you in that way. For all of us here, God said, for the rest of your life, you will not exhaust what I have for you and what you can glean from me. There is more. That's really good news. And it kind of launches us in to the next part of the prayer, where he says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, or the eyes of your heart, that they would be opened. What the prayer is, is it's not just for our physical sight and what we're able to see, but that we would get insight, that we would get perception, that we would get it that we would get these following aspects that God is at work in our lives too. And the prayer is gonna take us back into our past for a moment. It's gonna throw us into our future and then it's gonna bring us back right into the present. He said, I want the eyes of your heart to be open so that you will see her. You're gonna get it. You're gonna remember the hope of God's calling or when he called you in your life. Do you remember the time that God called to you? Calling is an interesting thing, isn't it? If you've ever been in a big group of people and you've heard somebody calling out to you, I watched it yesterday at No Regrets, room was filled in here with a bunch of men, and one guy was trying to get another guy's attention. He was just waving his arms like this. Now, when you're being called out to in a crowd, you're like, I hear your name. You just got, you're looking around to see like, who's calling my name, and you look. If it's a friend, you're just kind of like, hey, over here. If it's like your parents and you're trying to get away from them, you're like, you know, you kind of tuck down, you kind of melt back into the crowd that way. We get different ways to respond to calling, right? Most of us would have caller ID on our phone, which is great, isn't it? Caller ID pops up and you can see who's calling. Like, so-and-so's calling me. It's like, well, yeah, I'm going to talk to them. And sometimes it's like, look who's calling me. Don't think so, right? And you just kind of swipe them right away. When God called to us, now I'm not sure how he called to you the first time. He may have used a vision. He may have used a person. 
He, he may have used some circumstance. He may have used a preacher. He may have used nature. I mean, whatever God did, he was calling out to you to get your attention. Do you remember when God first got your attention? Now, for some, God may have been calling for quite a while, and it took a lot either for us to give him our attention, or it could be. Some of us are thinking like, um, I don't think God's ever called to me. And if that's the case, I'd say again, here's some good news. That God is going to be calling to you even today. One thing that every follower of Jesus knows is that God first called to them. God began his working in our lives before we ever turned to him. And this part of the prayer is just saying that the eyes of our heart would be open again so that we remember and keep that perspective. And the prayer flips to the future. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be open so that you may understand the glorious inheritance that he has before us. In other words, this part of the prayer is saying, it's a prayer to keep a perspective of eternity. This is really a practical prayer because when was the last time you thought about eternity? It's like, we are so caught up in now I'll speak for myself. I'm so caught up in now, what I need to do now, what the next plans are here, that it almost seems like eternity is a bit fictional. You believe it if you got asked the question, but it's not a part of your everyday thinking. But when we do, when we remember that this life isn't all there is, well, that changes my perspective on things. When I realize that before I know it, that I'll step into eternity. And the ramifications of that, the Jesus difference begins, again, to find this open door to come into our lives, which brings us into the present. And this part of the prayer, it says, I pray that you will understand how incredibly great God's power is in its availability to you and to work in your life. Now, I love how the, the um, NLT puts this. NLT says, and I pray also that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. This power, well, that's what is behind the Jesus difference and what wants to take place in our lives. If we were to get a thumbnail, like what is the Jesus difference? But kind of like to start us out with just a quick thumbnail glance at it. We'd move ahead in Ephesians a little bit to chapter five, verse number eight, and find this. This is a pretty good perspective of the Jesus difference, historically as well as in present. I'm gonna ask if you'd read it with me. Everybody? For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. One more time, everybody. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. This is what happened in the church at Ephesus. Now, if you're not familiar with Ephesus, the city at this time of Jesus, it was actually the capital of Asia. It was the most 
prosperous city in the Roman Empire. It was a a seacoast city, and so it literally had everything to offer. It was a center for education, for politics, for business, commerce was there, sports, I mean, art, literature, everything. It was worldwide renowned for the pagan temples that were there. And so the people that grew up in Ephesus and grew up in this culture, I mean, it was literally, it was Satan's center for money, power, sex, and pleasure. And that was the life that everybody was accustomed to. So in that cultural setting, that environment, this church birthed and it just began to grow and grow and grow and impact people's lives and the city that it was in. So much so that it became one of the leading cities, uh, churches, in the entire world at this point in what it was going to do and be able to accomplish. The Jesus difference was being manifest there. Yet, it almost wasn't. It almost didn't happen. This kind of brings us to what I would say is foundational for the experiencing of the Jesus difference in our life. There is one essential, and actually it's Jesus himself that shares it with us, that if you miss it, you'll never get the rest of it. I said, Jesus is the one who shared this with the church of Ephesus, and he did so in the book of Revelation, chapter two. Here, Jesus speaks these words to this thriving church at the moment. He starts out, to the angel or messenger of the church in Ephesus. Jesus says, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you can't tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. And you found them false. You persevered. You've endured hardships for my name. You have not grown weary. I mean, the church of Ephesus might be thinking like, oh yeah. Yeah, this is like, this is the greatest you know, commendation that we could possibly get from Jesus himself. But verse four says, yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you first had. Some translations put it, you've lost your first love. Jesus says, consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand or your church from its place. The foundation, the essential to experience the Jesus difference in our life is that we keep hold of our first love for Jesus. And I hope this is our great takeaway and take into the week and take into the series before us. I don't know if you remember when the eyes of your heart were first opened to the fact that Jesus loved you. I mean, he really, really loved you. I've talked to some and they've said, you know, on the very day that I received Jesus, that's when it took place. Others have told me it was a little bit later afterwards before this really dawned on me how much Jesus loved me. Some have said it was way later into their Christian life that this love of Jesus dawned upon them. Think about when it was for you and how it did. 
Some, we lean more on the emotional side of things. And when you realize Jesus loved you, I mean, it may have been a time, there may have been tears. There may have been shouts of joy and praise. Some of us are a little bit more stoic. And for us, it was just kind of like, that's all the emotion that was there. Maybe it was just silence. For me, it was a few hours after I received Jesus, I remember being struck with a peace. I'd never experienced this kind of, this level of peace in my life before. So much so that I'm just kind of like, I can't explain this. But it all came back to that part of, of Jesus' love for me. You see, there's one thing in all their imperfections of Jesus' disciples, there was one thing that every follower of Jesus knew, and that was that he really loved them. And when that realization comes upon us, here's the dynamic that begins to occur. First John chapter four tells us about this. It says that we love him because he first loved us. Our love for Jesus is a response to our understanding of his love for us. And it's a proportional thing. The more that I understand Jesus' love for me, the more love that I have for Jesus. The more that I open myself up to Jesus' love, the more impact it has in my life. This is that first love. Now, the church of Ephesus, when we read about it in Revelation 2, was about 40 years old. And their history up to this point, they'd become a ministry machine. Like I said, world, you know, world renowned at this point. And they were getting it done for Jesus. I mean, they were sending out missionaries, they were evangelizing their community, they were doing everything there. But in all of the accomplishments, here's what took place. It's like they became professional Christians. They did all of the right things, but one thing was slipping away. That was that personal connection or the remembrance of how much Jesus loved them. And when we get busy for Jesus, and it's hard to criticize busy for Jesus, right? Like I'm doing this for Jesus. When you get busy for Jesus, you can get distracted from Jesus. And that's a checkpoint that we want to do right now. Have I just... I've forgotten about Jesus' love for me in my life. And Jesus said when that happens, everything is gonna come to an end. Everything ends badly. To the point he's just going like, if you are going to walk away from my love for you, I'm just going to end my blessing upon this church and of course the people's lives in it. So he said to him, remember, repent, Turn back to me and return. When we remember the love that Jesus had on us and, the, and how it struck us, maybe just when forgiveness first came upon you and you began to shed shame, maybe for you, when the first love of Jesus was alive in your life, you really didn't care what other people thought. I mean, you were just going to, you know, pleasing Jesus was the most important thing to you or telling people about Jesus. Once I had received Jesus, I went back, I started telling all my party and friends about like, hey, you need Jesus and here's what Jesus has done for me. 
And even when they were starting to peel off or just, you know, kind of go like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? That first love in me, I was just like, I just had to tell them. Has that slipped? Does that seem like it, it, you remember, but it's in the past, not the present right now? We will continually put before us these four dynamics of following Jesus. Gather, grow, give, go. Because each one of them, again, is just going to call us back to out of a love for Jesus. We gather together. We are right now. But we gather in groups. We've got a lot of new groups that are starting. If you're not in one, it's an environment that just, again, keeps those coals together of those that love Jesus and we begin to serve and help one another in that. When we continue to grow, that's part of the prayer, right? None of us are stuck or need to be. We give out of a love for Jesus. We give our time, we give our money, and we do it gladly. And we go just because I can't imagine other people not having Jesus in their life and what he wants to do for them. However good they got it, I know how it ends. And I know it's not nearly as good as it looks on the outside because of everything that's churning on the inside for them. When you came in today, I believe all of us received communion. Those that are online kind of got a heads up on this before. So if you want to grab, if you would, your communion elements. If you didn't get one of these, um, just lift a hand right now. And our ushers are just, you know, they're on the watch for you. They'll bring one of these to you as soon as they possibly can. And we have our campus pastors coming to each of our campuses now and lead the prospective campus in this time that we've got planned together. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Let's, um, let's open this up. You bend the tab down. It makes it a little bit easier. And just peel the top back. And I just want you to take the bread and hold it in your hand for a second. Got it there? There are two key words to communion. Jesus is the one that gave this. He said, every time you do communion, I want you to remember me. I want you to remember, and in particular now, I want you to remember my love for you because his words were these. After having given thanks, he took the bread and he said, this bread is my body which will be broken for you. Whenever you do this, remember me. And so as you hold this bread in your fingers now, would you just ask yourself the question, do I love Jesus with my first love? Or has that slipped? Can you say that I love Jesus now more than I ever have in my life? Or if there's been a time that you loved him more than what you do now, I want you to think real quickly, what happened? What changed that you used to love him more than what you do now? You lost touch with his love for you. If Peter were to ask us, Peter, Jesus were to ask us like he did Peter three times, do you love me? Do you, love, do you really love me? Could you answer like Peter? Lord, you know me and all my, all my flaws. You know this one thing, you know that I love you. 
taking hold of your first love again and saying these words, thank you, Jesus, for your love. Let's eat together. You open up the juice. Jesus' words, this cup is a new covenant that I make with you through my blood. Every time you do this, remember me. Listen to these words from Ephesians 1, verse 7. When he said this, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We hold a representation of what Jesus did for us, how much he loved us so that we could have our sins forgiven. And for everyone that has trusted him, to be able to say now, thank you. And think back, when did you receive Jesus? Go back to that moment. And if you've never received Jesus, never trusted him as your savior, but you're ready to, it's not by drinking this cup that you will become new in Jesus, but by knowing that he died on the cross for you, that he shed his blood for you, that he rose again for you, and that if you would open yourself up to his love for you and receive him, that's how you become a child of God. That's how he does his saving grace in your life. And if you've never done that, even while you're holding this remembrance of what he did for you, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I need you as my savior. I need you not only for the forgiveness of sins, but I need you for the life that I'm hearing about today. And as best I understand, I wanna ask you to be my Lord and Savior, please. And if that would be your prayer today, to today receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm just gonna ask you, would you just lift a hand and acknowledge that? Yeah. And others? One of the most beautiful things, yeah, I see that. For all of us that have trusted and received Jesus in thanksgiving for love and what he's done for us, let's drink this together. Now still holding the cup in your hand, two things I wanna to give to you. One, I wanna tell you, what happened in Ephesus? Like what happened after Jesus dropped this word of Revelation 2 on them? They remembered and they repented and they returned. You go like, how do we know that? Because for centuries, hundreds and hundreds of years, this church in Ephesus is going to be a beacon of light there in Asia and all throughout the known world for Jesus because they re-got hold of his first love and the Jesus difference continued on through them. This week for us, here's what we can do with it to set ourselves up for what Jesus wants for us. I want you to each day pray this prayer. Jesus, thank you for your love. That's it. I'm gonna offer you a time um, when you open up the verse of the day, and if you're not using the verse of the day, this is another good reason to do it, but download the Bible app, the verse of the day. First thing in the morning, you open the verse of the day, start with these words. Jesus, thank you for your love, and then read the verse of the day. If you're not reading the verse of the day yet, and again, hope that you will, but before you take your first cup of coffee, before you take the first, you know, your, your first meal of the day, just pray this prayer. 
Jesus, thank you for your love. Let's practice it once. Would you, with me, ready? Jesus, thank you for your love. Do you need me to write it down for you or do you think you can remember that? I, I, we got it, right? So, but every single day, Jesus, thank you for your love and you just watch what this begins to do in our lives. And I guarantee you, there is so much more that he has for us. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.